Hey everybody, welcome to Quotes and Stuff with the Kennedy Bros, the podcast where three brothers talk about movies, comics, pop culture, and stuff while adding our own quoting flair. This is your host, Nate. This is TJ. And I'm Christian. Before we go any further, there are time codes in the description if you want to jump around to different parts of our episode. But if you're just tuning in for the first time, this is how this week's going to go. We're going to start off with our opening question. After that, we're going to move on to revealing the quote from last week. Then we're going to play the quote for this week. Then after that, we're going to move into talking about the news from this past week and then ending it off with our topic. Christian, hit us up with that opening question. All right. So if you were a ninja, what would be your top weapon of choice? Can I go last on this one? I want to I wanna see what you guys choose before I choose. Okay. <laughs> Do you want I'll, me to start, Christian, or you want to start? Uh, go for it, Nate. Okay. Um, I had a hard time finding the name of this weapon. But I, I, I did find the name of this weapon. I'm probably going to really uh, butcher it. It's called a, a, a Kurisarigama or a chain sickle. It's kind of like that chain. It's kind of like the, it has the chain thing, but it kind of looks like it has like the half axe on the end. Uh, I'm pretty sure um, the oh. Shang-Chi's sister and Shang-Chi uses it as a weapon. So it's like the chain thing with kind of like that half, almost like a sickle at the end. And so I think that would be my oh. weapon of choice, you know. It's not, I don't think it's as common, but like, I think it's, it's a pretty dope weapon. And I've actually seen, there's been some anime where they've actually used that, used it. And there was this character that like totally like completely wrecked this other character with it. And so I think it'd be a little bit hard to learn, but I think it would be a cool weapon. It would be more unique. And I think you could have some, some really sick battles with it where it would get the job done. So the, the Kuri Sarigama is what I would choose. And I think in, um, in Shang-Chi, yeah, the sister does use something like it, though hers might be a little different. I thought hers just had like a single kind of like uh, just point, point on the, the end, end, like right? a spear to uh, Yeah, so that uh, that would be, I think, the only difference um, in the two, though. I'd have to double check and go back and watch parts of Shang-Chi again. Because yours has like axes on the end, right, Nate? That's yeah, what you're thinking. So, okay. Yeah, yeah just that, a that's the different. one I'm choosing, but they're, they're similar in style, except one is like half an axe, the other is just more of a point, but. I take the one with the axe because it just, I think it'd do more damage, you know? You'd have <laughs> probably. to <laughs> probably throw it around you can't more. shoot it out, though. You have to swing it around, which maybe makes it less feasible. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's true because with the with this, the single point at the end, it could just be a straight shot. No, if you do a straight shot with an axe at the right angle, it's still going to get him. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah granted, if, if either of these <clears throat> weapons are being flung at you, you you're probably screwed. You're, unless for, you're yeah. also a ninja and can dodge. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And we're clarifying, we're ninja masters, so we just we would know how to do yeah. all of this. <laughs> that's, that's why we can pronounce all the names perfectly correct with, with no issues. Uh, I can get, I'll go next, I guess. So for me, I'm just going to do the bow staff. Um, I thought about the... Uh, I thought about the sword. I thought about uh, the katana sword, which is so sick. But I do like the bow staff just because you got so much reach with it. Probably not as as much reach now uh, as Nate's weapon there, because he can be <laughs> flinging that thing like fifteen feet uh, in front of him. Uh, but the bow staff, I feel like, would be good because you'd have a little bit of length on your opponent. But then also, if someone comes at you with a katana, if you have a really solid bow staff, you can uh, go toe to toe with them, block them pretty good while still. Uh, keeping some distance from him. And I mean, you hit someone in the head with that, they're going to be toast. So yeah, I see, I kind of feel like the bow staff, if used correctly, it's just like a really long baseball bat that <laughs> has still the force of a baseball bat. And <laughs> if you take a, a good hit from a baseball bat, yeah. I, I don't think you're going to, you're not going to be getting up super easily. No way. 
Yeah, so it's got to be it was like a out. metal one though, because I think that's the thing that always got me with like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is I'm like, but as soon as someone comes at Donnie with a sword, like, you know, you can't can't parry that. No, yeah, his <laughs> his was a little, it, it wasn't perfected though. Uh, I I'm sure, uh, I, I'm sure in other circumstances, if it was a lot more deadly and not a kid's show, he might have a different type of uh, bow staff. My, my thoughts would be like the ends could be uh, have like metal tips or like uh, maybe it's it's fully fully metal except with, around the handles, which have some sort of like rubber grip or something like that. But mm. yeah, that's my choice. PJ, what do you, what do you got? Okay, I think I think practically like the best weapon in my opinion, I wouldn't choose it. Is going to be a sword like. You can't go wrong with a sword. Can't you can defend anything. You can chop through anything. But, you know, that's... And you can look really cool with a sword, but, you know, we don't want to be mainstream. And I, I don't want to be mainstream either. <laughs> so I honestly would go for what is called the Tekokagi, um, if I'm going to that correctly, which is literally just a claw, a hand claw. It's the shredder Kinda claw. Kind of like the shredder, <laughs> the shredder claw. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, if you have two of those on both hands... Like, like Wolverine, man. Yeah, exactly. You're like Wolverine. So you can block anything coming at you. You can you can snap it in half in the right way. And every punch is a death blow. So like, honestly, the Shredder has like, at least in the 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 like the 2000s uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that we watched growing up, his armor and his weapons are like, you can't beat that. Like, it was amazing that they ever defeated him. Well, not amazing, but it's just like he's got a He's decked out in the right way with the claws on his forearm or the spikes on his forearms and then and then the the tekokagi or, or the claw there and just like the helmet like he he was ready for battle this shredder knew how to win i think it showed though how tough master splinter was going toe-to-toe with him without the armor and beating him so it's like hey master just splinter, a freaking walking stick <laughs> <laughs> with i know with the walking stick oh dang it i was just about to quote something he's oh here we go uh it's because tiny tim has the better moves. The do better guys, moves. Do you guys know what that, that's from? It's uh, Arthur. It's Arthur. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about this episode like a week ago for some reason. I can't remember why. But, yeah, but that, that was my yeah. thought. I'm like, oh, because Master Splinter's got the better moves. Better moves. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's the old school shout out. Yeah. Arthur, but I think, I, I don't know if we mentioned, Arthur ended after like 26 years on the air, just like semi-recently. I know, and not too long ago. Kind of crazy. Arthur, Arthur's the goat, think, man. Makes me think of uh, Frodo at the end. He's like, it's over. It's done. But it's like Arthur's face on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can finally go into the fourth grade. <laughs> oh. Anyways, that is our opening question for this week. Our listeners out there, let us know your guys' thoughts of what weapon you would choose uh, uh, as a ninja. But we have to move on to revealing the quote from last week. Dang. I'm pretty I sure know. I was the one that chose this one too, but I, I, I don't remember it at all. You did not chose it. I chose it. But we, uh, Lost. we, ta- we talk oh, about... You did, not, you did not choose it. I chose it. Yeah. No, I chose. I chose it, Christian. No, no, I'm, I'm, sorry. Sorry. Oh, I'm just the saying grammar. That, yeah, the grammar. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm uh, on something right now with the, with the grammar change. I don't like. Uh, my name is Rod, and I like to party. No, your name is not Rod. <laughs> you know for a fact that you do not party. Uh, sorry, but, uh, that, that that was literally what just happened in real life. Yes. There, that quote. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh. Anyways, the, the quote we did, we did Doctor, last week we covered Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. 
And with it being mad, we did a quote from the original Planet of the Apes, Charlton Heston oh, screaming, it. it's a madhouse as he's getting hosed down ah, by the apes. Gotcha. Dang. And that, that is my next one guess. Of the, uh, one of the biggest movie reveals, I think, of all time. Or not movie reveal, but just like movie ending twist. reveal. Twist. One twist. of the greatest movie twists yeah. of all time. Uh, as maybe number two only to uh, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back where Luke is or Darth Vader reveals he's the father of Luke but uh, Christian uh, spoilers please spoiler <laughs> you haven't seen Star Wars or don't know what Star Wars is for a, for a 42 year old movie yeah um, that poor 7 year old who hasn't watched like, episode 5 no <laughs> but uh, yeah good good uh, throwback there to Planet of the Apes we gotta move on though to play in the quote for this week may I help you are you a member of the Turtle Club well, not exactly. Not exactly. But am I not turtly enough for the turtle club? Is he okay? All right, that is the quote for this week. We will play it once again at the end of the podcast and reveal it at the beginning of the next episode. We're moving on to covering the news from this week. Very barren week. Kind of just have one news point. Uh, Christopher Walken has been cast in the Dune sequel playing the Emperor. Not Emperor Palpatine, a different Emperor, but uh, also... Very powerful with unlimited, a very powerful em- emperor with unlimited power, you might say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm just going to say it like the emperor is supposed to be a big bad guy in the Dune series or in the Dune book, I should say. He's kind of, he's not the main antagonist. He's kind of like an over, he's like a Fire Lord Zuko kind of thing. Um, or you not mean, Ozai, uh, sorry. Ozai. I'm not, yeah, Fire Lord Ozai <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, not Zuko. Uh, but, he doesn't really he doesn't really fight. He kind of just sits in back and like lets people do his bidding and it's kind of an anticlimactic climax, I I'll, I'll I'll be honest. So, I'd be very interested in seeing Christopher Walken being like, "Oh, yeah. Oh, my. oh shoot, I already forgot. What's his name? What's uh Timothy Chalamet's name in Dune? Uh Paul. Paul. It's like, "Oh, Paul. Paul, I see you you you're controlling the planet Dune and we got to we got to work on the same team here. See, you know, see, I'm kind of the emperor of the universe. See? And I'm just like, I don't know. I just, I'm not... You know, uh, Paul, <laughs> I think we need to uh, go to uh, the, the, the planet uh, and the, the house of Atreides. You know, it would just be like, <laughs> that, that, that like, was what? really good. That was a really good one. Yeah. I've, I've, wor- I've worked on that one a little bit. I've seen so many, uh, so many people do his, his voice. It's hilarious. Yeah. But I get you, DJ. I'm not sure I feel, I feel this, uh, this picking here uh with, with christopher walken uh, but you know he could surprise us and i mean he, he's an actor so hopefully he'll be able to act this part uh, <laughs> in the way that we're hoping see the last movie i remember seeing him in or like watching vividly was catch me if you can but besides that i'm like i've kind of forgotten what movies he's been in but i don't know maybe i just haven't seen him around in a long I mean, time like hair hairspray but he didn't have like yeah, a huge role in hairspray <laughs> but if you can bring the serious chops back again We'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But maybe, maybe not everyone's first choice as the Emperor in Dune. You can think of like uh, the guy who played Eric Selvig in, in Thor, right? Whose name I'm now forgetting. And he plays um, uh, Bill Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. And obviously he's the bad guy in Dune, right? And you wouldn't necessarily think of him right off the bat. I know he's played kind of semi bad guys in other roles too. But um, you, I wouldn't necessarily think of him as like a go-to bad guy in in Dune. But I think for the most part, he did a really solid job. Very creepy, uh, odd, and had this 
eerie presence uh, in the first uh, first June part, June part one, I should say. So maybe yeah, Christopher Walken will surprise us. Also, wait, I don't I don't think it's Bill Skarsgård. That's it's uh, a, it's it's a Skarsgård because it's he's the he's the dad of the Skarsgårds. Oh, he is. Oh, really? No, no, oh, it's, it's, really? it's it it is not. It's not Bill Skarsgård. Uh, yeah, no, Bill Skarsgård is, his son. is is hold up. I don't think. Uh, is his last name Skarsgård? We, we got to look this up. Uh, yes, it is. So he, Bill is his son. It's Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. So I was right about the Skarsgård. Just yeah, because I was like, one. I'm like, I'm pretty ah. sure Bill is Pennywise. Like, yes, you are correct <laughs> like in that. The, the clown. So, but yeah, Apologies. Christian, Christian, you're right. All about the Skarsgårds. No, you were right about the dad. All, yeah, he's the dad. But I'm just saying, yeah, whoops, we got the name wrong there. But a lot of Skarsgårds, so it's hard to, hard to know. Uh, Hard to know him all because he th- he's Too got three many uh, three sons. Gods. One of his sons is Tarzan. Is Tarzan actually the yeah. the other one? He's yeah, also the other battle- the- He's also in Battleship. I, I can't think of his also, name at yeah. the moment. Also, it's, oh, really? I think it's uh, I think it's Alex or Alexander or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. But yeah, because he's in the the Northman, the new movie. Yeah, Alexander. Yep. It's all anyway. coming around. They're taking over. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, so we that, don't have a lot of news when we start going off about random stuff. Like it's <laughs> yes. true. It's true. <laughs> but that wraps up our news segment for this week. Just really nice, quick, and simple besides our rambling. We got to move on to diving into our topic. Um, we're doing a comic again this week. It's actually been several weeks since we, we covered a comic. But we decided to take a look at a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic. Uh, this one just recently released within the last, uh, I think, a year and a half to two years. It's called Team NT, The Last Ronin. Kind of, uh, it follows kind of, in a way, it's kind of like, uh, I want to call it like the X-Men Days of Future Past of TMNT. Like yeah. it's in a futuristic setting uh, after a, a bunch of different battles. And that's kind of like, uh, I guess maybe, I guess um, I feel like I'm diving into the summary right now. But it's kind of like it follows the last of the, the te- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles after they're no longer teenagers, kind of in a post-world where uh, the grand sh- grandson of Shredder has taken over. And it's basically the, it's kind of like the dictator of New York. Even I don't know if it is New York. I don't remember them mentioning yeah, that. Yeah, it, it is New York, yeah. But he's the last, you'd say Michelangelo is the last surviving turtle in a dark dystopian future. Not my, that, not my words, but... <laughs> <laughs> Google coming again. And honestly felt very, um, it's like, <clears throat> there's one episode in, you know, we're going to be referencing this a lot, but the, the 2000s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that we watched, there's one episode where um, the son of the Damyo of the Battle Nexus tournament, who's been fused with the evil dragon, whose name I can't remember. Dra- Draco. Draco, yeah. Draco, yeah, he's been fused with Draco and they get lost in time with the Time Scepter. They attack the turtles and they send all the turtles t- all across time and space. So like a multiverse, if you will. And Donatello gets sent to a very uh, a similar kind of thing as this comic where he's, he's in the future. Um, <clears throat> the only difference is none of the turtles are dead, but the Shredder is one. And then they kind of do a last ditch effort to, to kill uh, and destroy the Shredder. <clears throat> Uh, so I was getting a lot of those vibes while reading this. Hey, yeah, Marvel's copying the the multiversal TMNT over here. Marvel or er, yeah. TMNT did it first. <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, Michelangelo for a second. How do you guys feel about him kind of being almost kind of like the master of ninja? After spoiler alert, all of his family is dead. I honestly thought it was Raphael at first, just like reading it. That's what I thought and, too. And then I'm like, oh wait, it's Mikey. 
right? Or it's Mike, Michelangelo, right? Not as friendly and funny as the Michelangelo that we've seen in the past and really any of the the TV shows or I guess the movies that they've made that are very, very poor to say the least. But we'll stick with the the funny Raphael <laughs> or excuse me, funny Michelangelo from the comics that we've seen. Yeah, just a lot more bitter and, and gruntled after all that he's gone through. And they say it's sixteen years after his brothers and Master Splinter have died, right? So it's been a, a long time. So he's become kind of hardened and yeah, I feel like kind of very similar, just angry to who Raphael is uh, already. So I have that thought kind of throughout. Um, and I think it's just kind of like an interesting take because you think, oh, it's like, you think Leo, he's right, like he's the top turtle, right? Or he's always kind of the leader of the turtles. And you think, oh, he'd be the one to kind of be the master ninja. And it would, if anyone, it would be him that would be taking on the shredder. Um, but in fact, it's not here. It's, it's Michelangelo. And I, I don't know, I liked it, but then I didn't like it at times because I, I just like the funny, low-key uh, happy Michelangelo. So it was kind of kind of sad to see Michelangelo. Not like sad, like, oh man, this sucked, but just like sad to see his character be this hardened and gruntled after all the horrible things that he's gone through. And I think it works in the sense that it's a nice juxtaposition that he's no longer the funny one, he's the sad one. And also, we all know Mikey is the worst Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Like, he is the weakest by far. <laughs> like, he has the worst weapons. And he, uh, he he won the Battle Nexus tournament though. Yeah, I have a comment to make about that, which I think kind of sums up Michelangelo. Like, I think actually in kind of if if you've read uh, a lot more of the the comics of Team and T, like Michelangelo, I think has the most potential. Like he's the most naturally gifted out of the turtles, but he doesn't do a lick of work, and that and he kind of is just clowning around. So that's why he sucks all the time. It's because he can't take anything seriously. It was, uh, I, I heard some people talking about, and like to me, I think that makes a little more sense. And kind of as we put Michelangelo at the forefront of this comic, like if you actually give Michelangelo some focus and some talent, he's could be the best turtle or the most talented because he could handle all the weapons and do all the things. But because he never had that growing up or he didn't focus on that, I think it kind of shows him more as the weaker one, which I thought was a, an interesting take and I think could explain some more things of why he is, I think, as good as he is in this comic. I just remember, Nate, you were telling us that there's a, somebody did like a simulation or something where all four turtles like fought each other and Leo was the one that won and right off the start, he went and killed Mikey and he killed him super quick. Wait, what is this simulation <laughs> okay. that we're so talking this about? Is a, so it's a, on YouTube, uh, it's a channel called Death Battle and they take two characters and... <laughs> compare them from like every form of media ever and then have them fight to the death. And so this, this was several years ago. Yes, that did happen where Michelangelo <laughs> was the first murdered, which I can also see a standpoint of, of also happening, but yeah. Right. Will, and so, so I'll go for it. I would say, I will say, uh, Mikey's, his kind of wit and, uh, character in general, I think can be very helpful in battle. Like, right. When you see in the battle next tournament where it's him versus Roth, Right. He just gets Roth really, really riled up. Right. And that kind of throws him off guard just because, you know, Roth's a pretty angry dude. Right. And now Michelangelo, he's become kind of more that angry dude. But then when he's fighting at that, at the very end, right, he's using some of those same tactics. He's like, oh, he's angry. So I'm, you know, he's like called him uh, a mama's boy. Right. This is the, the Shredder's grandson. Right. Which also kind of threw him off. So he used a couple of those tactics, those old school Mikey tactic tactics when he was fighting. Uh, the Shredder's grandson. Move forward. Let's let's talk about a little bit of the, the setting and the sci-fi wor world. Obviously, it says like 16 years later, 
but in some ways it kind of felt like cyberpunk esque. How'd you totally. guys feel about that? That with like the, it was like future and robots, but also was like, oh, there's the gritty and poor. And you're like, is this like in the far future? Because it looked like 16 years ago they had normal New York, and then all of a sudden it went like bang, future. flying how, cars. <laughs> yeah, how do you guys feel about I guess the, the setting of a, of being in uh, this futuristic New York? I got a lot of uh, it felt very Star Wars Coruscant vibes. Not gonna lie, like. It felt like Coruscant under the reign of an emperor uh, of some sort, but instead ninjas and like and swords instead of lightsabers. <laughs> like, but there was robots and cyborgs and everything. So it was like, I'm like, yeah, this is just Star Wars, but like Ninja Turtles. See, I was getting like Gotham vibes, right? Just very, very gritty <laughs> and grungy. <laughs> Though I don't know if there's any like really nice part of Gotham. I think it all just kind of sucks. Uh, but so that totally fits the Coruscant <laughs> vibes where you have the lower levels that are kind of nasty. And then there, there's the upper levels that are more for the, the wealthy and the, the high class right now. Obviously, you kind of have a little bit of that, that separation here in New York now in this dystopian future. Um, but yeah, very reminiscent, I feel like, of, of Gotham and Star Wars, like kind of a combination. And, and they have this, yes, yeah, super like advanced tech. But I don't know. I still got some of those vibes. I mean, you think about the TMNT that we see you know, just in the comic or in the, the TV shows, right. They're kind of traveling to all these different places all the time. And there's, uh, just different, uh, different universes that they go to different worlds. And so I don't know, I think it's still kind of like fit where it's like, Oh yeah, this, this is just the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now. And there's kind of this uh, other futuristic world similar to, to what we've seen. So it didn't like seem too foreign, uh, to me overall. And I think it, it kind of lines up with, uh, I guess what the Ninja Turtles do. Cause like, kind of look at the history they started out because so i've i've read the original comic series run i've had a good chunk of that and then obviously i grew up with the 2000s tv show and then i've read uh because they changed publishers it was originally mirage comics and then idw currently has the rights and so they actually have a whole comic book series that i've read a good chunk of and some of it's actually pretty good i would say but you know it kind of started out very dark was that original yeah. com comic it was very very brutal to be honest you're like oh this is intense but then they death. In the <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, there is death. But in the eighties, there was the the TV show that was made for kids, and obviously that influenced a whole generation. And so I kind of think like it's kind of like a mashup of a little bit of both. Like you get the sci-fi elements, and you still have like that futuristic elements that I think was kind of brought up more in the kid show. But then you still stay grounded in the roots of like, hey, this is like a serious story going on. Because I think the, the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles do have a lot of serious stories to tell, but you still also have that fun vibe and kind of this look at this comic, I think is, you know, if the worst can't, comes to worst, you know, we, we see the worst possible outcome for uh, the, the, the Ninja Turtles. And so I think that the future set, futuristic setting really fits on those themes and tones and to shows like, okay, like it's kind of a mashup of the history of the TMNT. And so I think it makes sense a little bit but i do have to say it's like how do we get here with literally within 16 years and like i know they talked about like oh baxter stockman is just like a genius and like makes a bunch of stuff but i'm like i feel like the tech like you got to have some alien tech in there if you're going to get totally. the flying cars within maybe, like 15 maybe years mm -hmm. the triceraton came and they used the triceraton tech right there that was always a big play in the tmnt tv yeah. shows so i don't know something like that because there's the, the honeycut is there so the fact yep. that he was still, because he does, I guess it depends on whatever continuity you want to use, but like, you know, in some he's deletes himself forever and others he like stays somewhere safe in the universe. But, so like if he's there, then there's obviously some sort of 
extraterrestrial influence on them. I mean, but in TMNT, no one's ever really truly gone, right? Oh, yeah. no, wait, sorry. That's uh, Fast and Furious. My bad. My bad. Fast and Furious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Someone does die, though. One of the Triceratons that they become friends with dies. Oh, a lot of people actually die. Oh. I guess all, all the, in that episode you talked about in the show, he died, they all die in that, in that universe. They're all dead. Yeah, that's true. In the universe, they, they also, all die. <laughs> they also murder Shredder and Karai. And yes, that Zog, that Triceraton does die. So there's more death than you realize in, in the show. Yeah, I always liked it when Karai died. She was the worst. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch those again. After I read this, I'm like, oh, dang, I forgot how good like the TMNT characters, obviously, uh, Ronan is not a teenage uh, character anymore. He is a, an adult turtle. But just going back, I'm like, oh, man, I got to watch some of those other TV shows again just to get that story and get more of these characters. Something I want to talk about is something I think that is different from the comics than we've really seen in the TV shows is it really focuses on this rivalry, this, the, the big bulk of the battle between the Shredder and like the turtles kind of comes down to this ancient feud between their families of like, you have the foot clan with Shredder and uh, the, I guess Oroku is kind of the, the name of the clan. But then you have a uh, clan, the, the TNMT's clan, which is uh, Hamada Yoshi or clan Hamada. What do you guys, how do you guys feel about kind of that, that dynamic of like comes back down to this ancient uh, two clans fighting in Japan? Or what are you guys' thoughts on that? I didn't like it quite as much in the sense of like, because, you know, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, the ones that I know from the, the 2003, like they're all, it's just them and Splinter. And then their family kind of expands from that. So you get April, you yep. get Casey, Professor Honeycutt. Uh, you know, uh, everyone. And, and like the only way that they're tied to Yoshi is because Splinter uh, is there. You know, it's not necessarily that they have this whole group of people that they have in the comics. So I, I didn't like it as much. It kind of felt more like it's like, oh, well, we just need to have them have people to command and who can die as cannon fodder kind of <laughs> when everybody gets killed. It didn't feel like the TMNT where it's like, oh, it's just us five uh, fighting against the Shredder. And then we slowly grow. Um, it felt more historic than I thought it. Uh, they truly are. I think it was good, though, in the sense that it, it allowed there to be like a, a big battle, right? And a lot of dudes helping them out, right? Because if it was just the five, then it's like, okay, yeah, this story is like, there's no way they can do anything, uh, right? Because it's just five. Well, I guess technically it's one Ronan, right? Uh, Mikey against everyone else. So having the two clans really allowed them to bring in, oh, sweet. Now we can have this full force on one side fighting against the, the Shredder's grandson, um, Oroku. So I like that. It definitely gave me very much, again, Star Wars vibes, like you were saying, because they're like, oh, yeah, the I think it was, they even called it the resistance in there, right? They're like, oh, yeah, so this resistance that's in New York or the rebellion, it was literally one of those two things. So yeah. I'm basically <laughs> pulling it straight from straight from Star Wars there. But I was okay with it just because they were there was allowed to be some bigger mass battles in addition just to some of the 1v1 battles that you see normally with the turtles. And, and you saw that in this, uh, but it allowed for, yeah, kind of the greater battles in this, this other help. And it just was showing, hey, like the the uh, Oroku clan having taken over all of New York, right? There's bound to be some people that are going to fight back against. And they were kind of aligned with, you know, the, the TMNT clan. So it, it fed, I think, but yeah, you kind of go both ways here. Yeah. And I, I think it just, it adds a little bit of a different take. Cause I think like it kind of plays more and like, I guess kind of like it, it gives more of a meaning to be like, how does a rat know 
uh, ninjutsu <laughs> <Yeah>. or bushido. <laughs> but I, I think for the most part, I think it kind of like plays on these themes of like pride and nobility, and that like it comes down to be like these two fight all the time because they're they're ancient enemies, which. Like it's a different take than you know what I'm used to, but I think it works in the setting. Like Christian says that it, that it's kind of created. But something I do think is really cool is kind of just like yeah, when you have the big battles and like something I really enjoy that I want to talk about is like I think this comic really shows just how powerful Splinter was. You know? Yes. Like because I feel mm-hmm. like you know the, the Splinter's always a master, and he has some pretty ba moments where he just he takes on the Shredder one on one, and he's just like with a stick but like in this i feel like you see a lot more of like splinter as a leader and a father and he's like decapitating people and he's like no like you mess with my family i'm gonna kill you family I think it's just really cool to see family <laughs> i think it's just really cool to see i think splinter really like massacre people and show like he is a true master of uh ninjutsu and so i think that's really cool to see i think throughout this comic through the, the flashbacks that are shown <laughs> at the very end when you know, Casey's Casey Jr. is talking to uh to Mikey or, or Ronan at the very end. He's like, he's like, oh, you know, read the book. And and there's one more thing. I thought he was gonna say family. I totally thought he was gonna pull the family <laughs> card, um, but but he didn't. A little to my my disappointment there, but that's all right. Let's talk about then April and Casey Jr. What are your guys' thoughts on them? It always fits. I mean, this is a again. This is why I was getting super throwback vibes to to the episode because the exact same thing happens like Casey dies April survives and is leading like the resistance slash rebellion <laughs> and it's like and that really fits you know because April was always like you know always, always very just like strong and and smart and like she didn't she wasn't necessarily quite as good as fighting she was more like a Donatella kind of thing but she was she was always the leader and I thought it was an interesting twist as well that they gave uh, Casey like that she was kind of like a turtle a little bit, yeah. you know, cause she had the, the juice. I would say that kind of threw me off. I'm like, wait, what? I, I didn't, I don't know if it like was super necessary here. Right. Cause I feel like, okay, maybe she just, yeah, taught herself and was able to become a really good fighter. Right. Um, and the whole like, oh, you're kind of a mutant. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that really hit for me at all. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, I guess. And like in the end, she just, I guess she had, you know, save her mother from drowning. And so like maybe needed some of the, that mutation in, in order to help uh help her mother um but i don't know i felt like it probably could have been left out like as far as yeah april and casey go i think good characters add a lot to the story but i don't know if you need to make casey a, a mutant per se though if she started like growing extra pair of arms and turned all green that would have been a big <laughs> twist too so <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it kind of helps grind grind ground Michelangelo back into reality of kind of like family. <laughs> yeah. Cuz he was kind of like everyone, yeah. you know, <laughs> in his flashback it's like there's a big explosion happens and he goes back to Japan and then he finds out Splinter and Donatello are dead. And so it's kind of like he's the last he's yeah, he's the last one alive of his clan. And I think coming back in to have April back in there cuz I think something uh, another element I did enjoy about this comic was that you play it on like, hey, these people have really messed up PTSD from everything that happened, you know? <laughs> and constantly you see Michelangelo talking to his four brothers, kind of like he's almost schizophrenic in a way. But I think that kind of just helped to add uh, just like a more deeper element to the story of like these characters are affected and they're not really sane anymore, but they're still willing to continue the fight against the Shredder. And so I think that was an element, especially I think with April April and and Mikey's relationship, they're like, yeah, we're family. Like I thought you were gone, but you haven't been gone. And so I, I enjoy that element. And I think it helped to add, I think 
more reasons to care about these characters rather than like, you know, and love these characters like always. I think to the point that you're making though, Christian, is I think they had a lot of ideas that I, I felt like they never really followed through to the finish, if that makes sense. Like, like they had like, oh, Mikey has to like, we learned how to have family, but it never really felt like he was super antagonistic enough, you know, to like, and he, I'd never felt like he learned his lesson, you yeah. know, he wasn't like, Oh, like I'm, I'm, I figured this out. And like, you know, Casey Jr. She didn't actually do anything in the finale. You know, she just <laughs> dove underwater and helped her mom. And it was like, Oh, I thought she was going to go kick some butt yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. So I think they had like they had all the elements there. I just I don't think they quite pulled it together at the end in the way they needed to to like make these interesting points that they they or plot points that they had instituted more meaningful at the end. No, I, to- I totally feel that. And I don't know, maybe there'll be some like greater play that will happen in the future with another comic. Right. At the end, it shows Casey with, you know, four turtles. Right. So maybe there's something that will be tied into those four turtles and her mutation in the future for a later story, but who knows? Let's talk about, uh, the grandson of shredder, uh, Hiroto. How'd you guys feel about him? Man, what a baby. <laughs> I was just kind of like, <laughs> I was like, this guy seems like, a like, a, a dark side version of Luke, uh, episode four, just super wide. <laughs> it's like, you left me mom. Like, I'm gonna like kill everybody. No. Like I'm so cool. Like, even more, even more so is like in episode eight, which really isn't Star Wars. But when Luke goes uh. extra baby again after he's already become a Jedi and has done all this stuff, right? That's the vibes that I was getting. Be like, dude, what a wuss. I, I yeah, and that's I don't like. I guess for someone who should be dangerous, I I don't like it when it's like who is the one that killed you all that caused all this problems. Uh, just like a whiny kid who happened to have a lot of power. I'm like, ah, oh, that's not like, that's not a villain that seems really scary. And like, he wasn't scary. Like the only reason he was able to be a threat was because um, he had a lot more technology and armor and things and they were fighting more classic. So it was like, whereas the shredder was like, yeah, he had all the technology and everything, but like fighting one-on-one, he still could easily kill you. So I, I just, I wasn't very intimidated by this, uh, um, by this villain. And I didn't, felt like he had too much going for him in terms of depth and backstory. He did have yeah, he was like just, the psycho element though, you could say. Like he was a little yeah, he was balance, <laughs> you know, when he's having that whole um that whole conversation with himself almost falls off the the building tripping just by himself, <laughs> right? So there's a little bit of that psycho element in there. Yeah, but uh, even I just I didn't I thought he was just a waste. Like he was crazy, but yeah, he was very annoying and he was like, "Ah, everyone should bow down before me. And it's like, dude, you've done nothing. Like you haven't, like you really didn't have any <laughs> skill no power here. <laughs> it, was, it was like, he relied on the tech. And I think that was something I didn't love as much. I felt like it was a little bit too tech based at times, especially like the whole Baxter, Baxter Stockman thing. I'm like, I feel like we could cut back a, a little bit on the tech and, you know, go back to the ninja stuff. But he just felt, yeah, really annoying and very whiny. And I'm like, yeah, like, he, was, he just felt very weak and it didn't really feel like a continuation of the Shredder because I guess he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be Karai's uh, bastard son. And so he's kind of like rejected in a way, but like it didn't really hit or, and he was just kind of, he was just, yeah, kind of annoying and stupid and kind of a waste, I feel like of not like a good continuation of like how the Shredder might evolve with his future families. His, uh, his technology is his weakness, you could say. Right, that's what I was hoping uh, Donna or uh, Ronan was going to pull out the the whole Luke Skywalker line on him there. Cause yeah, very, very tech heavy 
uh, with with Stockman involved. Though I guess it kind of makes sense because they're in this this future where it's so tech heavy. So it's like okay, really, they rely so much on the tech. The only way to take them out is by you know nixing uh, all of the tech at Stockman's Island. So like I get where that fits with the story. Uh, yeah, but overall, uh, Roku was yeah just a, a little weak. Though I will say. The I mean, well, I'm sure we'll get to this at, uh, a little later on, but Oroku and Ronan's battle was was pretty pretty solid, and he he was taking a lot of hits. Now he had kind of this like unbeatable armor almost. It seemed like so that gave him quite the yeah. advantage. But I mean, he was given given uh, Ronan slash Mikey everything that he could handle there. Uh, if I could just quickly say. Uh... It's clear one might say that he was not limited by the technology at this time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Sorry, go I do. Ahead. I do have to say the suit. I I, I thought it. I thought it, it was a good cool. design. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it, it did cool. look cool. I'm like, okay, something different. Shredder. I he was like Silver it. Surfer Shredder. You know. Yeah, that's what he was like. Yo, Mikey, let's surf the stars. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move into talking about the action then. How'd you feel about uh, all the ninja action and that happened in this comic? I thought, I thought it was really solid, actually. I thought, in, you know, in this one, there's five issues. And in each issue, it, it focuses on the death of each of the brothers, right? And in Master Splinter, right? So you got Leo and, and Casey together, Donatello, uh, Donatello and, and Master Splinter, uh, and then Roth, right? And each of those deaths, there was a big action sequence uh, for all of them. And it was, and they were tough action sequences, uh, a little more gritty and grimy and uh, bloody than you see, obviously like in, in the TMNT TV show, which is like cool. And it wasn't like so over the top bloody, like we've seen in, you know, like the whole comic with Wolver, old man Logan. It's not like you got someone eating another character. Yeah. It's not like overly <laughs> grotesque. Right. Um, but like enough mm-hmm. where you, you feel it a little more. And I thought that was cool. And it's, yeah, more stakes when they're fighting, like in the, in the TV show, boom, Donatello hits, Donatello hits you with his bow staff and Leo never stabs anyone unless it's a robot. Right. So there's no blood or anything anywhere. <laughs> so I guess that was kind of cool to see in all those ac- action sequences, uh, action sequences, excuse me. Those sequences does kind of sound like a word. Um, no, it does sound correct. <laughs> did, yeah, it just felt a little higher elevated uh, level of battles because of the stakes and just the more grit and grind that you saw. And I, I, I thought they were pretty cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed them as well. Like, it is nice to see a little more of that, like, the realness of it, you know, how, because just as you said, like, people aren't going to be pulling their, pulling their weapons back in mm-hmm. a matter of life or death situation. No. I think I was a little disappointed, though, with uh, like how each one went out kind of thing. You know, I think the only one that was really B.A. was was Raph's, you know, like I'm just going to go in, slaughter everybody and take Karai down with me as opposed to like Leo just gets blown up and then like uh, Don and Splinter just get shot with arrows 300 style. And I was like, oh, I, I would like it to be a more meaningful kind of death for the latter three, like something not just like, Oh no, you like lost kind of thing, but like a, a lot more just, I, yeah, just a lot more uh, symbolic or or intense than just, Oh, you got gunned down by arrows or something. Like, I don't feel like they focused on the death very much. Yeah. I feel that, that. that is true. I think it was more to show this, like Michelangelo's lost everyone in his life and that's affected him to the point where you kind of, Kind of, I feel like he just he goes to the mountains, becomes a master of everything, and then comes back to to murder, uh, Hiroto. 
But I, I do have to say, I love that opening scene. I, I really like the first issue because, you know, it kind of creates this mystery of like, wait, which turtle mm-hmm. is this? Like, who is this? And then you find out at the end. But I think it just really, I just love seeing Mikey wreck a bunch of people because he, he basically goes one man style, tries to infiltrate the tower, doesn't make it. But then later when he goes to, to fight uh, the, the Shredder's grandson, like he's like, oh, all these foot soldiers are weak because they've just relied on technology too much. And like, I, I really enjoyed, I think, seeing the action of like the, the, the turtles are in, also insanely good at ninjutsu. And it's like, obviously they have their mutation, so they're not human. So that, that makes them even more of a force. But I think it was just really cool to see him, I think, mow down a bunch of people and be able to show like, hey, like I'm still really powerful too. And it makes sense as well because he's older, right? Um, he's not too old, but he, he's older. So um, you guys see the little too old thing that I just pulled there? I didn't put it in. Uh, yeah. Okay, just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. But yeah, he, he's fighting everyone, taking all the robots and the humans down. And I feel like, you know, in the past when, he's, when he was a, a teenager, you see him and uh, he, he's not able to handle the amount of volume of guys that are thrown at him, right? I, I think of like the the one show where Leo's, kind of going all crazy uh training and it's like fighting you know like 30 foot clan ninjas at one time and there it was just a little too overwhelming right it's also because he was a kid right so here now you have mm. a, a mikey who's much older and, and really is able to go through all these guys because you know he, he's grown he's got the power and he's developed the experience overall all the training and and everything that's happened so i felt like it was it definitely realistic and and then of course like you know roku throws you know a couple two like two big dogs at him right at the very end. He overcomes them uh, and then goes on to, to take on a Roku for that final battle. But uh, yeah, it shows that really Michelangelo was able to become, yeah, the Ronin and, and, and become this master, uh, master ninja. And I liked how they did it very like, you know, they explained why Mikey was able to, to take on like a lot of these things. Like, Oh, like the mutation has kind of like made you even stronger, heal faster kind of thing harder to kill basically, mm-hmm. which was like good because he gets beat up a lot. big time in this. Yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, like, like the Mikey, we know he'd be dead kind of thing, but it's like, Oh, okay. It's like, they did provide a good explanation for yeah. it, which I, I appreciate. And to the fact that like he was using the different weapons of the, the brothers or like, right. He or not, but he, you know, carried them with him, the, the broken and battered weapons of all his brothers and used them in different fights. And, you know, I'm thinking of like when he stabs them, uh, stabs uh, the Shredder's grandson right in the hand with the, with the Roth's right. uh, weapon there. So just like think, yeah, Sigh. exactly. So I thought that was cool with the incorporation of the other brothers' weapons into Ronan, kind of showing that hey, he's becoming like this all around warrior. Did you guys uh were you guys surprised that he died at all? Did you see it coming or I could have seen it go both ways, honestly. But then like at the end when um. What's her name wasn't there, Casey Jr. I was like, oh, okay, like, I, I think he'll die then. Cause I was like, I could even say him, I could see him surviving and like kind of teaching what he knew. But I was also kind of like, I kind of wanted him to die. You know, I'm like, oh, you're, you don't really belong here anymore. Like, you'll, you'll be better off dead. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was fitting. It was fitting for him to die just cause he'd been so downtrodden all these years and he'd seen all the death. So it, it really was just, yeah, fitting for him to go out on this, this, last uh last rampage take out the shredder's grandson and and, you know kind of die in the process and hopefully you know be at peace with everything now because he's been able to accomplish this goal this goal and like 
get you know the revenge uh, uh, for his family that that he needed and revenge for you know so many others too moving on to the last bit well how'd you guys feel about the art style of the comic i really liked all the regular art style i felt like the flashback more like black and white that they did it kind of felt a little lazy to me where i was like like i know i i get the flashback wanting to look different in some ways but I would have liked it more in a like Batman hush kind of way where it's kind of more ethereal, but still very lifelike where instead of going back and being kind of really dark and cartoony ish, as opposed to the more real life that it was normally, I didn't like the flashback, but the actual stuff I, I really enjoyed. I kind of enjoyed the, the real life ness of it and, and the, you know, the overall darkness of it, I felt worked with the color contrast. The, the difference between like the whole, they do the whole then and now, right? And they do them in different colors, right? Um, one a little bit lighter, one a little darker, but it was still very vivid and you could see what's going on. Yeah, I'm with TJ. I didn't love that black and white as much, though. Maybe it kind of fit. I, I don't know about like old school Japan and and really any of that at all, but maybe they were going to this, yeah, old school Japanese style of art. And I, yeah, I would think that it would have to have some relevance and why they did it like that when they were going you know a, a little further back going to some of you know mikey's old experiences but overall i think they did a really good job of switching between these three different art styles kind of differentiating what time and what place uh those were happening um because then you would be like wait what's going on is this in the past or is it in the future but because they use the different art styles it fit and you're like oh yeah this is now oh several years ago or this is way back it just fit i felt like yeah, and I agree. I enjoy the main art style enough that it kind of like it, it. It just feels right, which is, I guess, maybe a lazy way to talk about art. But like, it feels realistic, and you don't feel like people look strange or, or different than normal. I do know with some of the flashbacks, that is uh, one of the co-creators of the TMNT, uh, Kevin Eastman. It's either Eastman and Laird created it, but I think Eastman is the artist, and so like his art style, like that is more of his just style. I'm not the biggest fan of it. But I felt like it worked enough in this uh, setting because I've, I've read some full comics of his in that style and I don't think it always fits. But I think it worked enough for the flashbacks. But for the most part, I think the, the main uh, artist who we should probably give credit to, I can't think of who it is at the moment, I, I think fits very well. And it's very clear and able to, able to, it's clear and it's easy to understand, which I think is a good part of at least under, having your audience being able to really understand what's going on in your comic or like enjoy it and enjoy it too. I think it's just a big part of it. And so I did enjoy uh, the, the simple style of feeling realistic and not too like condensed or too artistic in some ways. Yeah. It's always nice to have, <clears throat> sorry. I think I've mentioned that before. I, I always like the more uh, realistic 3d kind of like I, it's like clear that it's a comic, but you know, you can tell that it's trying to be something more as opposed to the old school kind of, very comic booky feel of, of other comics. Looking it up, I see the the artist is Isu and Isaac Escora. So those are the ones that did the art style. So shout out, shout out to them. Oh, I see Peter shout Peter out. Laird as the illustrator. Kevin Easton and Peter Laird. But uh, I guess maybe I think it might. Does it, I don't know if it does change for comic comic. That's one the one I'm seeing on the first. Comic, okay. So Impossible. shout out to you guys, you artists. <laughs> a couple different artists. We're, we're sorry if we don't accredit you. All the artists. I do want to say one thing, though, uh, a plot thing, again, that kind of bugged me a little bit was how the big battle was, was at Stockman's Island. And then after that, you know, it was kind of like a cakewalk kind of thing. Like there wasn't anybody to fight. Like it wasn't like, OK, 
now that we've taken out the technology, now we have a chance to take on Heroku. Like it was just, oh, now that that's there, Mikey's like, I'm just going to go in and kill everybody. <laughs> like, and so it, it felt a little anticlimactic. Like I was hoping for either like a simultaneous attack, which might've been better where it's like, Hey, like you got to get the, you got to get the Stockman's thing down so that we can like take out shredder here. Or at the very least when you assault it again, to have it be like, you know, a big battle, not just this kind of one-on-one thing. Like we will have that eventually, but it just kind of felt a little bit more like all like the big, the big battle scene. They did it in the fourth issue instead of the last issue. And I, I just felt like that was a little bit of a, a bait and switch. They're probably just relying on the last battle between, between Ronan and um, the Treader's grandson. I think that's where they were really relying. They're like, Oh, the last issue will be, the one v one duo, just kind of like the a lot of the one v one duos that we saw of old. Though my biggest thing was why didn't Mikey mention pizza at all? You know, like pizza's pizza's <laughs> his thing, and, and and I'm a big pizza guy, so I was really looking forward to that. But uh, <laughs> he didn't mention pizza at all. Maybe they don't have pizza in his dystopian future. Maybe the Shredder's grandson is yeah. out, outlawed <laughs> it. But <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. I hate it. Game. <laughs> I hate it, Chuck. I hate it. I hate all of the, the pizza significant in the lack world. Of pizza. Yeah, I was just hoping for yeah, a pizza reference. I thought it would be fun. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. The the fourth issue, which I think goes to, it shows too much reliance on uh, Treaders, too much reliance on technology. But it, it could have, it could, you could have added more stakes with the last issue. But it kind of just comes to more of a a rolling stop with the battle between I think Mikey and Treaders' grandson. So. I can see your concerns there, and it's a little bit lackluster in that. That way, I will agree. I think it was funny, though. The I thought it was classic. I'm like, this is so true. Like, you know, Shredder's taken over. Everything gets disabled, and everyone's like, hey, wait a minute. We're free. And then, like, everyone's like, let's take out the Shredder. And then soon enough, it turns to, like, screw this rebellion. Like, <laughs> let's just set the place on fire and, like, steal the uh, stuff. And it's typical. like, it's just hot rod all over again. Like, taking something so nice and just... Turn it into something for their own ends. <laughs> yeah. Shall we dive into ratings then? Yes, let's do it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to give this uh, I'm going to give this a seven out of 10. Like um, it was good and, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't a waste of time by any stretch. Um, and it kind of got me excited. I'm like, Oh, I think there's a lot of potential for um, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in kind of comics. And now it kind of was making me want to like, Oh, I should explore some of this and see, what other stories there are about there. Um, but I had some issues with the character development, some of the, like how they didn't really grow characters in some ways. And, and then the plot things that I wasn't like, I didn't love it, it in the end, but it wasn't a waste of time and, and it was good. And it kind of opened my eyes to more what could be out there, but it just, it wasn't, it, it didn't hit the way some, some of the other comics we've talked about have. Yeah. And I'll give it a basically the same thing as TJ, but in stars, right? A three, three and a half stars out of five stars where, there were a lot of cool things about it, though. I, I think the reason why the TMNT can be so so fun and enjoyable is because actually of the lightheartedness of it and because they're, they're teenagers right now in this dystopian future that we see in, in this comic, right? Everything's just, yeah, just a little more a little more gritty and, and hardened. And it's like, oh, no, wait, one of the fun things about TMNT is kind of the, the light feel that you get while reading. And there's still plenty of good action and good story. So... I kind of miss that from what what I've seen in the TV show. So, but but overall, I feel like yes, yeah, still intriguing, cool to see this futuristic uh, story told, uh, and enjoyed it overall. Um, 
but yeah, probably three and a half stars for me. And for me, I'll give it, you, you should read this. Like I, I do enjoy this comic. I don't think it's amazing by any means. Like I said, I think it's plot moments that aren't great. And I'll agree. I was a little bit, a dis- little bit disappointed with the ending because it kind of just felt like there wasn't enough build up to that last fight. But I, I, I do enjoy these characters. I did enjoy the different take with Michelangelo and also kind of like the more gritty, realistic take with the deaths of his family and things. And so I, I would say it's a should read. It's not perfect, but like, I think if you're going to read something from TMNT, this is something that would be a, a better thing to read. And it's only five issues, so it's pretty short. But you can still kind of get, I think, some of the core elements of the TMNT characters. But yeah, I agree with TJ. Like, for me, I, I forget there's a lot of potential with the TMNT characters. And it's kind of like, these are actually really awesome characters. And if you could actually do this right in a movie for once, like, I think a lot of people would enjoy it. But we've yet to see that day. Wait, but Nate, we... uh. We got the Michael Bay movies. What 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 was wrong with those? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, no. <laughs> I do I do gotta say I watched the first, like the very first TMNT movie, like live action from nineteen ninety. It's actually pretty good. Like oh, yeah. it's not amazing and it's a little bit low budget. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast or off the podcast, but it's only like an hour and a half, but it like it hits on a lot of the core elements of TNMT and I would say it's worth a watch. So to all those listeners out there, the first TMNT movie from 1990, it's got that fun-heartedness and it's like, and that Casey Jones in it is actually really great. It's like the best Casey Jones Gungala, besides in the cartoon. <laughs> I appreciated how they yes. had that in there, by yes. the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I would recommend that first movie if you have to watch a TMNT movie. But that wraps up our thoughts on TMNT, The Last Ronin. Uh, our listeners out there, let us know your guys' thoughts, whether you, you agree with us or disagree. But we got to play the quote one more time. May I help you? Are you a member of the Turtle Club? Well, not exactly. Not exactly. But am I not turtly enough for the Turtle Club? Is he okay? All right, there's the quote again, and that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate all you listeners out there. If you want a chance to get a shout-out on our podcast, you can do that by following us on Instagram and Twitter, at Quotes and Stuff Pod. If you DM us guessing the quote correctly before we review it, we will give you a shout-out. If you want another way to reach out to the show, you can do that through email. That's at questionsofpod at gmail.com, sending in your guys' suggestions or thoughts about any of the things we talk about. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Adios.